your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, uh, our text this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The text that we will look at today is verses 12 and 13. Uh, But we'll look uh, at the context, what we looked at last Lord's Day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security... Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, And admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Again, let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Father, as your little children, we come now to sit at your feet, Lord Jesus. You are the only one who can preach your wonderful, life-giving word to our hearts with a blessing. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come by your Spirit and take this, the very word of your mouth that we have read and heard, and you would open our eyes to see and understand it as you intended. And Lord, that you would write it upon our hearts and lives and that you would grow us in you, Lord Jesus, we who know you. And if there be any, Lord, in this place or listening today who are apart from you, that Lord, you would draw your lost sheep unto yourself to Turn from living against you and to embrace you, confessing from the heart that Jesus is Lord. In Christ we pray. Amen. 
Well, we see in verse 11 this uh, call for us to be encouraging one another. There are many, many, many one anothering commands in the New Testament. Uh, a biblical church has three directions of ministry, of service. We have a ministry upward. Uh, we worship God together. And we see that all through the scriptures, uh, particularly in the New Testament of God's people gathering together on the first day of every week as we read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, to worship Almighty God. There's also the ministry outward. God calls us to be salt and light. So there's a ministry upward. There's a ministry outward uh, of God uh, giving us the great commission. Um, and then there's a ministry inward. Uh, and when you leave today, uh, there's a, a, a sheet on the table in the back uh, that has at the top a title. Uh, it says, One Anothering. And it's a list. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, I keep finding one anothering commands that are not on that list in the New Testament. So it's not uh, uh, exhaustive, but it's almost exhaustive. It's almost every command in the New Testament that has to do with what we are to be doing with, to, and for one another as Christians. And this ministry inward is of vital importance as we are going to see. And it is closely related to and flows out of what God is teaching us by the under-shepherds that Jesus has called and given to his church. And so you see verse 11, therefore encourage one another. This word encourage, um, you remember, is the Greek uh, word parakaleo. And it's two Greek words stuck together. You're familiar, familiar with the, the prefix parallel, uh, para, uh, to come alongside. And the last part of that term is just a word that means to speak. And so, literally, these two Greek words were glued together uh, to describe someone who would come alongside you to speak to you, to speak a word of encouragement. And it's translated by the English word either uh, encouragement or comfort uh, or uh, 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 in, in, in uh, struct, these are terms that are that are used in the New Testament to describe uh, this this term: comfort, encourage, uh, exhort. Those are <clears throat> the terms that uh, this Greek word, and it's a fascinating term because. All three persons of the Godhead are identified by this very term. God the Father in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God 
of all comfort. Same Greek word. Who comforts us in all our affliction. That we can comfort those around us with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, God comes and when he brings the gospel, it's like his salve is put on our wounded hearts. And we have forgiveness of our sins. And God is whispering his promises to us to remind us and encourage us uh, that he is with us and he will take care of us. Over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, old Simeon was told, Before you die, you will see the consolation or comforter or encourager of Israel. Referring to the Lord Jesus. He's the one who comes and brings comfort to our hearts. Uh, uh, speaking his gospel and reviving us in the wilderness, the desert of sin. He's the oasis and he calls us to drink of him, the fountain of living water. And then, of course, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus announced in John 14 and John 16, uh, I'm not going to leave you as little orphans, but I will come to you. And when I come to you, uh, I, I, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to come. I and the Father will send another helper. Same word, comforter. Uh, and when he comes, he will bring my word to your heart. And so that's what God calls us to be doing. We're to comfort one another and build one another up with the truth of the gospel, with the word of God. And so look at verse 12 now. Uh, in, as we go through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we come now to verse 12. We ask you, brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So what is the relationship between us encouraging one another and building one another up uh, we've seen the same thing at the end of chapter 4. You remember the Lord announced that uh, if, if you had a loved one who died before Jesus came, they haven't missed the boat. Uh, that Jesus was going to raise up those who had died in him first, and then we who are alive, who are left, would be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And the take-home message was what? In verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so all of the truth of God's word focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ is what we are to be comforting one another with. Well, how are we going to do that? I'm glad you asked that question. In verse 12, the Lord tells us that there are under-shepherds that Jesus raises up to equip God's people to be able to do this amazing, wonderful ministry of us encouraging one another. You know, 
you don't have to work at getting discouraged, or at least I don't. It just kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Uh, Here you are living and doing the best you can, but then at times we find ourselves just tired and weary to the point where we begin to really lose perspective. Uh, We begin to be very, very, very down. Uh, Even to the point where at times we just uh, feel like, I don't know if I can keep going. And what does God say uh, is is one of his antidotes to that? To prevent it from happening, or if it does, to revive us and restore us. Well, turn with me over uh, in the book of Hebrews to Hebrews chapter 3. Here's one of the contexts in which we are to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 12. And the context here, uh, the book of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is worthy to be loved and followed, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of, of, of hard times. Jesus is worthy. And the message of the book of Hebrews is, I don't care how tough it gets, don't let go of Jesus. Because he's our life. Cling to Jesus. And here we have the example now of the children of Israel who had been rescued from bondage in Egypt. And they had just seen incredible, mighty works of God. They had seen the ten plagues culminating in the firstborn of Egypt being killed by Almighty God. But God's people were instructed to take a lamb, one year old, without blemish, and to kill it, and and take the blood and sprinkle uh, the blood on the lintel and the doorposts. And God said, when I pass through the land to kill and strike down the firstborn of both man and beast in Egypt, when I see the blood, I will pass over that house. And everybody woke up the next morning and all the firstborn males were dead. There was weeping and wailing and mourning in Egypt except God's people who had applied the blood. Their firstborn sons, they were alive. And those very people, God delivered, and they come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind and sends his army, and he comes with his army and his chariots, rumbling, and the dust cloud. And the children of Israel look back and they go, we're goners. But God opens up the Red Sea. And these people are delivered. But when Pharaoh and his army come, the walls of water come crashing down. And the people who saw that, they 
grow discouraged and weary. And they turn. It's not hard to get discouraged. What does God say we need to do in light of this? Well, look at verse 12 of Hebrews 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But, and here's our word again, exhort, encourage, comfort one another every day as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here is this ministry that we see that we ended with last week of God's people comforting one another. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to learn how to comfort one another? Well, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. In 1 Thessalonians, the Lord immediately starts, starts talking about the pastors and the teachers. And here in Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to look with me in verse 11. He's described Jesus. He's the one who has gone up into heaven and poured forth gifts upon his church. And look at verse 11. And he, talking about Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Now, I want you to notice in verse 11, we have these foundational gifts that are referred to, the apostles and the prophets. They were the ones that God used to finish writing the scriptures, the canon of Holy Scripture. And they are the ones who first were sent out to preach that apostolic gospel that's recorded in the book of Acts. And then after that, we see that there were men who take that word and are to be teaching, feeding God's sheep, calling God's sheep into the fold, and then building the sheep up in the faith. They are evangelists who go places where there isn't a biblical church to gather uh, by evangelism uh, a, a group of people who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to see a biblical church established. And then shepherds and teachers uh, who live there among the flock, nurturing and caring and feeding uh, the sheep. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he calls men to preach the gospel. To open up the word of God so that God's people can understand Holy Scripture and grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to what end? Look at verse 12. What's the purpose of this ministry of the word? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, years ago, somebody asked me, how many ministers do y'all have there at Trinity? 
And I said, well, the last count, I think it was 96 or 98. And they were like, man, what are you, what are you? And then they realized that I was not answering the question in exactly the way they had asked it. Um, I was referring to all of God's people as ministers. Um, Just like all of God's people are deacons. All of God's people are prophets. Uh, They don't hold those offices. Uh, But we're all sent ones. Apostles, little a. Uh, Prophets telling the word of God, little p. Deacons, little b. uh, Serving one another. Uh, Ministers, little m. We don't hold that uh, formal office uh, as God's people. Um, but we all have work to do to equip the saints for the work of ministry. All God's people. And so the job of pastors and elders is to teach and equip the saints that God gathers into his fold so that God's people can minister. God's people can do these one anothering commands. And what happens when they do? For the building up of the body of Christ. God's people are encouraging one another. Being a blessing to one another. It's kind of in your mind's eye, I want you to picture a a fire in a fireplace. You know, on a cold winter day, you build a fire in the fireplace. And you can, when the fire begins to fade a little bit, it's just a bed of, of wonderful, beautiful, hot, glowing coals. And you can take a, a tong and, and reach in and take one of those coals and put it out separate from all the others on the hearth of that fireplace. And if you watch it, it will go out a long time before the other coals will. And so one of the things that God uses... He uses God's people like coals to fire each other up, to be a blessing one to another, uh, stirring us up to keep loving Jesus, to keep clinging to Him, to keep holding on to Him. Well, turn back with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want you to see the relationship of these verses. Verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Um. First of all, who are these people that are being referred to? Well, they're the pastors, the shepherds, the teachers that God has called. They're under-shepherds who are supposed to, in the name of the great shepherd, who sits upon his throne in glory, calls men to, in his name, carry his gospel and his word to be a blessing to God's people. 
to hear the gospel, uh, to have their faith uh, 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 nurtured and fed from the word of the mouth of God, the Holy Scriptures. The job of a pastor uh, is to serve Jesus caring for his lambs. Now, Jesus takes this very seriously, I assure you. Um, uh, for example, turn with me over uh, in the Old Testament to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. Jeremiah, chapter 23. And I want you to note a passage in the Old Testament where the Lord rebukes the preachers of Jeremiah's day because they weren't doing the work that Jesus had assigned to them. And the Lord says these words, verse 1, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away. You have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds, plural, over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Obviously, this is a messianic prophecy. It was a promise that the good shepherd would come. And indeed, Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, as we read in John chapter 10. And he's the one who calls his sheep by name and gathers his sheep into his fold and then feeds and nourishes and cares for his sheep. Well, uh, in First Peter, Turn with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's another passage where we read a little bit about uh, these men who have work to do that Jesus has given them. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. So I, this is the Apostle Peter, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so I exhort the elders among you, same word, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, even though Peter was an apostle, he was also more basically an elder, a shepherd, somebody who had been called by the great shepherd to take care of Jesus' sheep in his name. 
as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 20, we have another passage that describes for us these who labor who have a work that the good shepherd has given them to do. Look at Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17 and following. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And the word elder there is the Greek word presbyteros. And if you use your imagination, you can hear presbyteros, presbyterian. That's where that name comes from. Uh, elders. And then on down in this passage, notice the Apostle Paul says, now when I came, I didn't withhold anything from you. I declared the gospel of Holy Scripture to you. Look at verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And he had previously said, I testified in verse 21 to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so faithful biblical preaching focuses on the person and work of Jesus, but it goes from Genesis to Revelation showing all of the revealed will of God applied to all of life in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what these apostles did. That's what God says. The work is to nurture his sheep. Well, look at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Who's he talking to? These teachers, these under-shepherds, these elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or bishops. Uh, and, and this is the Greek word, episkopos. And so in the Bible, elders are bishops and bishops are elders. These are terms that are used as synonyms interchangeably. All elders are bishops. All bishops are elders. Uh, and here, what is it that they're supposed to do? They're supposed to ca pay careful attention to the flock. That the Holy Spirit has made them an overseer in. They're there to watch over the flock. What do shepherds do? They feed the sheep. They lead the sheep. They protect the sheep. When a sheep strays, uh, they run after the sheep to try to rescue the sheep and bring the sheep back. 
uh, to restoration with the rest of the flock. And it's the Holy Spirit who calls men to be under shepherds, under the great shepherd, to care for the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Uh, Jesus, he says, this is a big deal. That he is the good shepherd, only Jesus can save. And Jesus sends men in his name to carry his gospel and to feed his sheep. You know, it, it's an amazing thing in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're not going to take the time to look at it. But you can read in Ephesians chapter 2, and when the gospel came to Ephesus, who preached the gospel first in Ephesus? It was the Apostle Paul. He was the one who first came with the gospel to Ephesus. But it says in Ephesians 2 that Christ came and preached the gospel of peace to those people in Ephesus. And whenever the Bible is faithfully preached, God himself is preaching his gospel to our hearts. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's referred to as the foolishness of preaching. It's not that the message is foolish. It's just that God is showing His greatness by taking men who have clay feet, and He is pleased to use men to proclaim the gospel. We'll keep reading in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverted things, twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. And therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up. You see, it is the Word of God. That's the tool that God the Holy Spirit uses to make us a Christian. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes from where? From hearing. And hearing from the Word of God. That's the tool the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in our hearts. And what's the tool that God uses to grow us up? In Jesus, After we come to faith in Jesus, it's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And so God reveals to us in Ephesians chapter 4 that pastors are to equip the saints. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 now, let's see what God says. We've identified who these workers are. We've identified their labor. Look at verse... 12, we ask you, brothers, to know those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in work, in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. 
What is it that you are to do with faithful preachers of the gospel? Well, God says you need to take advantage. You need to make good use of those that the good shepherd sends so that you will be able to do what we read in verse 11. Do you want to be a blessing in your own home as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child, as a brother, as a sister? You need to be equipped with the gospel, with the word of God, because only Jesus can enable me or you to be a blessing to anybody around us. Left to myself, I cannot do anything but hurt the people around me. And we've all had the painful experience. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Uh, the very thing that we don't want to do at times, we're like the Apostle Paul, we find ourselves doing. We want to please Jesus. But boy, I sure have a hard time showing it sometimes. And my family, this church family, uh, as we live together, what will enable us to be a blessing to one another? It's only Jesus. It's only knowing Him, belonging to Him, walking with Him, serving Him, living in Him, bearing the fruit of the Spirit in Him. And so God has given pastors, elders, to equip us through the Word of God. We asked you, brothers, to respect. The word there is literally to know. Uh, and it's translated either respect or esteem highly uh, or, or recognize. Um, those uh, are, are English words that are used. And it's not because... Of, of who they are, but it's because who sent them. It's because they have a message from the king. And because we're eager to please the king and learn of the king, we want to treat those who are going to be faithful to his word. Now, how do you know whether somebody is being faithful? to the Word of God. Well, you remember in Acts chapter 17, the Bereans, what did they do when the Apostle Paul preached? They opened up the Scriptures. They checked him out. And that's what you need to do with me and Pastor Samuel and the other elders here and anybody else you'll ever listen to. That's what God calls us to do. That's how you know whether you ought to respect if they're speaking what the Word of God says, then you need to listen. Because that's what Jesus says, not because of what I say. Uh, my opinions are not worth a pile of spit. But Jesus' Word, oh, it's the Word of life. And that's the Word that we want to give our ears to and give our heart to and say, Lord Jesus, you just take me by the hand and I want to learn of you. I want to follow you. I don't want to be a wayward sheep and end up in the briar patch 
of sin. I want to learn your ways, Lord Jesus. And so we want to respect those who labor. Uh, obviously, faithfully labor, faithfully opening up the Word of God, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now, this word admonish, it's not a bad, it's not a bad word. You know, admonish, boy, that kind of sounds a little tough. But it's the Greek word, nutheo. Uh, and it has the idea of somebody coming alongside to give us good counsel. Somebody who's going to give us good advice. You know, what a sweet thing. Uh, we are those who want to give our ear to those who are going to faithfully open up the Word of God and equip us so that we can be a blessing as a husband, be a blessing as a wife, be a blessing as a parent, be a blessing as a son, as a daughter, be a blessing as a brother and a sister. We need Jesus to tell us what's true and good and right. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Uh, that means, now let me ask you a question. If your wife fixes you a birthday supper, okay, and you come home from work and she says, I've got something for you, and you go, yeah, see you later. I got other things I need to do. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, things are not going to go well for you. <laughs> she has labored long and hard to fix some delicious delicacies for in your honor. And I want you to think about it. King Jesus, he calls pitiful men to labor in preparing food for his sheep. And we ought to be excited, not because of who the messenger is, but because of the one who sends the message that he has prepared food just for us to encourage us and to strengthen us and grow us and keep us from growing weary and discouraged and falling by the wayside. He is feeding us. Now, how many times do you need to eat in your lifetime? Let's see, one time when you're one year old, you eat twice when you're two, and then after that it's about two or three times a year, and you're good to go. No. You constantly are needing to feed physically so that you have strength and the word of god is is just we are in constant need of our souls and our minds being bathed by the word of god of being encouraged with god's word um how hungry are we for jesus you know there are people living in the world today who are risking spending the rest of their life in jail just to gather with God's people to hear the Word of God. 
for just a few minutes. They are risking in places like communist China and North Korea. Oh, may God make us hungry for His Word. And not only gathering together uh, when we have Sunday school, the morning worship, the evening worship, but in your homes. Uh, you you uh, mamas and daddies, particularly you daddies, you need to be reading the Word of God in your homes every day to your family. Doesn't have to be a long passage of Scripture, even if it's just one verse where I'm just going to give you a word of encouragement. It may be what I call the proverb of the day. If you don't have time to do anything else, just read one proverb. Pick it out. There's 31 chapters of proverb. Most months have 31 days. You have bonus chapters on other months. But you, you can just go through the book of Proverbs. Read a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But feed your family with the Word of God. Feed your own soul with the Word of God. And if it's the duty of pastors to prepare the food, it's your joy to come and sit at the feet of Jesus that He would encourage us and equip us for the work of ministry. Praise God. Praise God. We have a Savior who has given His Word. We're not left and God doesn't want us to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but to be built up in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Please write it upon our hearts. Please bless us now as we continue to worship you together. In Jesus we pray. Amen.